This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Welcome to Bite Into It. It's us. It's time to talk computing and technology. It's Dan Salmon. It's James Noble. And I'm Vanessa Taholka. I'm kind of excited. I don't know why I'm a bit hyper. So uh, I feel a little bit too. I haven't really eaten for a while, so I'm getting a little yeah. bit too. Yeah, and I haven't slept, so it's between us, we're half a person. Well, it's, you know, when you read too much about Elon Musk and you get all, all hyperactive and... Uh, I also you know, feel like I've, there's so many things that have happened that I've been interested in that I haven't actually got across all of it, but I, I feel like I'm trying to figure out which ones I want to talk about. Mm. So um, one thing that we do want to flag now is that coming up later in the show, we will be speaking to the co-founders of Buzz Conference, Ben and Rick, and that's something you'll definitely want to hear about because it's coming up in November and it's not too late to get involved so we'll be speaking to them a little bit later in the show. James has that given you some time to, to, well, to scan the I've news? I've got even more like it's the thing they've got so many things that are happening at the moment that I'm I'm literally racing around here trying to see if I can find out if Elon Musk has actually said what it was that he's, he's presenting mm. because it was Wednesday but because it's the US. He loves the cliffhanger. He loves the cliffhanger, and he's, he always seems like he's so open, but he's actually not. Like it comes, like, he just he has a, he doesn't have a um, business language when he tweets or when he shares things. He just he's, you'd think he was just the guy next door, and he's got a, he's very good at making you become engaged because you feel like you're talking to him. Mm. Um, but uh, well, maybe because, if, you, if you're a man, James, that might be the case. But if you're a woman, I'm not sure that you feel <laughs> so engaged okay. in these conversations. Yes, fair, yeah, fair <laughs> so so Elon Musk <laughs> recently got accused of um, not following a single woman in his in his Twitter account, really? and I guess he's he's not tremendously conversational, so it's not the biggest shock in the world. I think he's a bit of an introvert, right? But yeah. um, he tries not to be by. Okay, but it it just oh, looked wow, bad. Zing, got me there. Yeah. Um, okay, that was a bit of news I didn't read. <laughs> um, uh, so he's got an announcement tomorrow. I'm wondering what it is because he's been playing around with solar technology. He's been playing around with. He's trying to reduce the billion dollar thing from Mars to get to cost a billion dollars for one person to get to Mars. Mm. And he's trying to get that down to as it hundred thousand or two. Yeah, he's he's he's. We, yeah. we spoke about this a few weeks ago, but yeah, he's he's trying to get uh, the uh, price of a hundred thousand uh, down to a hundred thousand dollars for a person to go and live on Mars. Yeah, yeah, good luck to that. It actually sounded really, it, it sounded a bit like Blade Runner, but we did talk about that last week. We should be yeah. talking about this week's news. I, I think you know the relevance to this this uh, week's news is that uh, you know if it's less than a hundred thousand dollars for a person to live on Mars, it's cheaper than buying property in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper than renting in Sydney. Yeah, you can still have your avocado and, 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 <laughs> and if you house. can grow an avocado yeah. on Mars. On Mars. It's a red avocado. Yeah. Good enough. <laughs> Did you see the... Um, I just noticed that uh, the Melbourne Museum, they're doing... Um uh, National Geographic are partnered with uh, NASA and they're doing their launch. So as soon as you know, there's, uh, Buzz Aldrin's going to be there. Oh, I haven't seen that. Launch. Yeah, so I'm quite... I was oh, like, oh, I'm going to start furiously Googling that one. Well, Buzz is a very controversial character. It was the first mm. ad that I actually clicked on. <laughs> <laughs> well, milestones all around this yeah. week. So there's been lots happening this week. I've got... A few open here. Um, God, where do we begin? Uh, there's there's been Uber um, doing uh, uh, using uh, drones to advertise to people uh, is stuck in traffic. Uh, so Uber approaching the evil corporation that people suspected yeah, they might mm, turn into. The Minority Report style, of, like, <laughs> yeah, floating ads. Yeah, um, they were heckling drivers, compl- telling them about them. Maybe you should you should share. They were doing targeting people that were one person in a car. That- that Same. can't last very long. That's, that seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, so, so what it looks like for, for our, our listeners who may not 
have seen any of the articles about this is yep. a drone hovering around, almost holding up like a, a little flashcard yeah, with literally. a message on yeah. it. It's very it's not quite low, as Bob Dylan it's as low fi. As it's an yeah. interesting yeah. combination of really high tech <laughs> and really low tech. Yeah. It's very odd, and I would love to see them do it in a, in a Bob Dylan type way, dropping one after the other. Yeah, yeah. Even less, yeah. even less friendly. Onto your dashboard, yeah. yeah, yeah. Blocking up your windscreen. Yeah, yeah. But they're basically saying about carpooling twice a week uh, saves you uh, sixteen hundred pounds pounds of greenhouse gas um, so they're kind of trying to guilt people into carpooling right. uh, and they're starting to try to get people to talk to each other that were sat next to each other in traffic jams so I thought it was quite interesting like it's it was an interesting approach. message coming from Uber where you think Lyft uh, owns that that ride sharing message a little bit more mm. Mm. I think they're coming to Sydney soon as well aren't they? That is excellent news mm. yeah I'm a big fan of what I hear about the Lyft culture yeah, um, What else is there? Elon Musk was that this Google Pixel phone came out it's getting excellent reviews. Have you had a I chance just, to have a look at it? Did you really? Yes. And? I, it gets shipped tomorrow, so it arrives next week. That or is big news, everybody, because you couldn't find a more loyal Apple customer. Yeah. Have you seen that, that you can even plug in... The Your headphones? <laughs> well, yes, there is that. But I quite like the fact that you can't. I don't think you need that jack anymore. Controversial. Uh, here we go. Uh, Controversial. No, being in, a, being in a room such as I am, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah. But I think for a phone, I think it's quite handy. Um, but the Yeah, us radio nerds are really attached to our 7.5. I've, I've, yeah. I've actually got the Apple dongle in my pocket that comes with the phone. So you yeah, but this is the thing. You have a dongle that connects the headphones that you own that have a 3.5 into a thing Dan, that doesn't I'm not I've, I, I had I a rant about this already that, I can't believe you let that pass <laughs> James just said he has a dongle in his pocket yeah and you didn't ask him is that I, when, when you go low I go high okay. in the words yeah. of Michelle Obama yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks fantastic I bought I've got the iPhone 7 plus the giant phone because I wanted the camera on it um, it's been doing amazing phot- photos and then I started reading on the statistics and the stats of this and um, my partner in crime Paul always said if we could ever get an Android phone with Apple um, iOS on it mm. that's what he'd always want because Android is quite te- a bit more geeky even though he's ge- you don't want so much complexity um, and then that's what people are saying. This is effectively, it's their own operating system. They've done a better phone than Apple. Um, it's got uh, a lot of, lot much more battery life. The camera's better. Mm. This is basically, they've made it much more intuitive and much more, it's simple. basically they're copying each other all the time, right? Like the Apple and mm. um, Samsung have <laughs> blown, <laughs> blown it a little bit. Well, they've well, well, just that blown oh, everyone up. So what about, what about the cost of the Pixel, James, coming, you know, from the Australian perspective? Uh, it's cheaper than the Apple phone. Yeah, for the same specs. Same specs. Mm. Uh, slightly, slightly smaller storage. Twelve hundred versus twelve ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So hundred dollars saved, but you you get your jack, Dan, and um, you get unlimited. Sto- what makes it awesome? You don't need a big memory because you get unlim- lifetime unlimited storage on Google Drive. So everything you Ooh. put on it, all your photos, all your videos, all your music gets synced with your with the cloud. That is. Um, a nice segue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a ni- it, come on, I did that quite well. You did, you, you did. You did it beautifully. So the, the uh, cloud storage report has, has been released. Um, the moment we've all been waiting the for. The moment it we've is. all been waiting for. I, I know is. that I was sitting with Ben and <laughs> um, Did you know that Dropbox has more or less cornered the market in cloud storage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You could have done that better. Come on. No, really? Oh, well, I suppose I could have done a, a countdown. What, what else do you think? This year's moment in cloud storage. <laughs> the exact they, same moment as last year. Yeah. They yeah. lead the consumer cloud storage market with 63.8%. Yes. So they're ahead of Google Drive, OneDrive, and Box of all users choosing uh, their service. Interesting. Yeah. Do, do, do you reckon that this uh, revelation in, in uh, Google Phone yes. uptake will, cha- will significantly change exactly that? This is exactly what they're going after. This yeah. is exactly what they're going after. They're going after Apple big time. Yep. Um, they've just trumped them. Uh, you never know what Apple... They, uh, I have to admit, the technology is better. Everything about the phone is better. It's the operating system that made to be the differentiator. Mm-hmm. But you've got to... Uh, they'll start taking over the drive space. We know we all call, everyone calls it cloud, and people who aren't in technology assume that it's like look up and think it's somewhere that they don't know about. It's still in a building <laughs> stuck on a hard drive, just <laughs> m- not multiple times around the world. Yeah. Look, I liked this article because it verified the sort of behaviour that I've been witnessing in users that I don't consider to be um, particularly geeky were well on to Dropbox and mm. completely understood mm. that this is a solution when email wouldn't work and everything else, you know, they'd exhausted their options. They they understood very well that they could use this, but yeah, moving yeah. around, say, house plans or, you know, big group sections of, of the, data. The user yeah. experience of Dropbox is pretty good. <laughs> it's mm. excellent. It um, is. And, it, and it, it syncs with, like, you know, online, like, cloud-based, like, yeah. I suppose Microsoft products, which people still use, um, you know, as as a person whose day job at the moment is to try and convince people to move to the cloud, I, I, I think this is um, a, it, it's a great case in point that people are able to easily use it. So that said, I'm still quite reticent about completely syncing my world with the cloud. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Um, there have been some really bad news stories about syncing with uh, syncing your music with the Apple Cloud. Oh yeah, because oh, it just deletes your files. I wanted to listen well, to Tool and I couldn't because I, even though I bought the albums and put them on my phone, I had to unsync with iCloud to be able to copy it onto my phone mm. and then I couldn't listen to any of the other music because I'd unsynced it. And then if you yeah, have your own no, music right. files and it's obscure or if you've got yeah, weird versions of things, yeah, yeah, it can delete it and replace it with really standard versions or just get rid of things it doesn't recognise. Yeah, one of my friends got... Doing his first, deep, uh, his, 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 actually his fifth album, something, mm. but it, it all uh, had random names, and he was just trialing it, like to, to break it into his tracks, and it was still all before it had been finished in the studio, and it just deleted it. Yeah, out of his, yeah, his I've heard that yeah, story yeah. from a few musicians, and yeah. it's well worth reading up on that issue. Yeah, for that reason That's alone, not saving something in Photoshop. Yeah, oh. no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're feeling your pain, James. <laughs> That's no good at all. Uh, another really successful um, milestone has been passed by Pinterest. They've passed 150 million mm. monthly active users, which is up from 100 million a year ago. I mean, that is more inc- and more. That's incredible year-on-year mm. growth. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm still not quite sure, and maybe you'll be able to shed some light on this, what their revenue market is. Like, how do they... I think... Um, uh, don't housewives. They... No, no, <laughs> no, no but the revenue they model... The when they make don't money. they get uh, kickbacks from click-throughs? Isn't it... No. no, they don't. No, and, and it, it, I mean that's what I mean. I'm not sure whether I mean having 150 million monthly active users. There's a lot of information there, so they obviously mm. still need data. Is it, is it something to do with the mobile options? Are there are there add-ons in mobile that you have to pay no. for? Maybe no. no. Uh, there's business. I know there's business stuff. I was literally wondering how does it if you got that many users? I mean, that's I'm, I'm assuming that the revenue is from the information of, well, of understanding the audience. They, mm. they have rolled out a shopping bag. Which makes sense. Well, yeah, I suppose with yep. can you buy things through Pinterest? You started to, yes. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's... Tag right. things, yeah. So they've recognised that they need a revenue stream or a proper one. If, if anyone's out there and knows exactly what Pinterest business model is, maybe tweet us at Bite Into It to let us know because um, it's, it's an interesting idea. 
It certainly is. Mm. Um, I like that you can collect things on there, not just because you're going to buy them, not just in an acquisitional way, but in an organising way. Yeah. Uh, I've started to use it as a There's bit of... There's people with OCD that are generally on such as myself. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've started using it as a bit of an inventory before a trip. So rather right. than having a physical list, I can have a visual sort of thing, just being like, check, you know, do I have this thing I need to go camping? Great. Mm. I, yeah. I, I create a list of things that I know I'm never going to be able to afford. <laughs> The most yeah. depressing Ooh, board in the world. I similarly I have. I it tagged. If I put it in the list. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, in a way, you do own it. In a way, in a really superficial, yeah. not real way, you I've, own it. I've like the Back to the Future shoes. So the, the, the Michael J. Fox. I, I tried to get some. You just can't. Like, there's 150 of them in the world. But yeah, um, see, so you, you I've got a picture of it. So technically, I'm like, yeah. You weren't. You weren't tempted by the Team Zizu sneaker. That was pretty cute. Oh yeah, yeah. Team yeah. Zizu. I try. I tried to get those as well. Yeah. I just literally just bought a. I, I feel like I'm a child again. I bought a vinyl, <laughs> uh, a 12-inch Bill Murray, like Venkman, uh, cartoon character. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was today. Like I'm, I'm nearly 40. <laughs> uh, we would love to welcome into studio Ben DeCry and Rick Jano. They are the co-founders of the Buzz Conference. I blame you for that, James. <laughs> and... The conference is happening in November. Welcome to studio, guys. Thanks. Great to be here. Now, we've spoken to you in the past about Buzz Conference, but there have been a lot of changes since then. Can you lay out like the basics about what your, your conference is and, and how it's different from what we usually think of as a conference? Well, we, just, we decided that uh, conferences were all kind of the same. They're a very, very passive way of learning. It's very one way. You have someone stand at the front and they lecture you something that you're going to find on YouTube the next day and, and you don't really get to, to meet anyone and, and uh, make those great connections. So we decided that if we followed more of the model of a, a music festival and we got everyone together for a weekend in a field and we effectively locked the gates and said nobody could leave, including the presenters, then you have a really unique unique pr- uh, place to learn, to meet people, to have a lot of fun. So so we do that. We have the presentations and workshops that you might have in a usual conference running during the day. We have a full kids track to keep your children entertained so that the families can come down and spend the weekend together. And then at night it turns into a music festival. We have bands and DJs uh, and people dancing and raving in a field until 3 o'clock in the morning. Thank it's, it's God it wasn't the, uh, the, the, com- the conference speakers then trying to do decorative <laughs> dance and music in the evenings. Oh, well. it was. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> One of the presenters who came along, uh, Paul Fenwick, actually commented that uh, a lot of conferences he's been to have attempted to try and get uh, participants, the the delegates and the presenters, to dance. uh, And they've all failed except BuzzConf. Like, we have people going absolutely mad in front of the stage. It's fantastic. It's the funniest juxtaposition to see people still wearing their name tags from the conference portion of the day, dancing around with glow sticks in a field. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've seen that footage of uh, Julian Assange dancing around at a Melbourne uni night, so it doesn't seem too remote a possibility (laughs) to me. Uh, so I love the idea that you're facilitating whole families going because when you go to a regular conference, you know, if you've got a family, some conferences are making some, you know, child-friendly areas, but it's it's really quite difficult to keep children entertained all day. And you, you want to think that they're not just being occupied, but maybe that they're learning something and getting something out of the experience as well. That's exactly it. One of the, the things we wanted to do early on was to make it very family-friendly, not just a, l- a lot of conferences, as you say, nowadays do, um, they can cater towards having children. They'll put on uh, a kindergarten throughout the day so the, the parents can go to the, the conference. Whereas we wanted to change that completely. We wanted it to be family friendly to the extent that the whole event was about 
get families getting together. Mm. So often uh, you get a, a, a technical member of a family who wants to go to an event, yet another technical event, I'll be away for the week or the weekend, and the non-technical part is left, left at home by themselves or with the kids. And it, That's why you go to those conferences. <laughs> well, sometimes you go to get away, that's absolutely true. Um, but other that's times, allowed as well. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But, but there's, a, there's a quid pro quo there, you've got to... Um, kind of balance that out. So, yeah. but no, on a serious note, the the fact that the non-technical partners can come along, and in fact, my my personal mm-hmm. um, judgment of success last year was if the non-technical partners wanted to come back again this year, mm-hmm. that would be a measure of success. Not only is that true, but the children had such a fantastic time that they yeah. wanted to come back. And some of the children, some of the children of the parents who were there who didn't come last year, were gagging at the bit to come this year. How often do they actually get to go to something like that and experience something that, that they don't do day to day, and it's not a play group, and it's not it's the technologies involved, the, there's the festival, it's all the things that you want to, you never experienced, right? That's, that's right, and we, we had people last year, whole families coming together and building robots together, and we've got the same crew that ran that uh, coming again this year, so, so the families will be building robots. A giant fighting robots, right? Uh, there will be probably some sumo-bot competitions. My in my mind are pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, d- well, we, we, well, probably our biggest robot that will be there is a, a, a robot spider, uh, with wow. a 1.2 meter leg span, and this this thing's amazing and really good fun to 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 see up in person. But uh, also the the guy that makes it, he's running a workshop on 3D printing as well. So all the people that are involved in the robotics in the workshops, they love getting involved with with the full family so that people can can learn and play together. Uh, and we don't just have have workshops for kids uh, for families, but we've got some dedicated for kids as well. So we're we're running uh, an event called Minipreneurs this this uh, year, which is a, a weekend long event. For, for kids to learn a bit about the, the startup culture. So there'll be product inceptions and, and development uh, and a panel with some of our speakers to, to help them along that, that startup journey. And you have some incredibly um, experienced people uh, speaking the, yeah, at your, at your conference. Some of the ones who jumped out uh, while we're still talking about the, the kids sort of part of the program, I guess, were Beck Spink and Will Egan, who have uh, co-founded uh, Code the Future. Uh, we spoke to Beck Spink recently about some of their success in getting coding skills uh, into schools and getting kids having experience, you know, seeing what a coding life might be like. What are Will and Beck bringing to your event? So uh, Code the Future were there last year as well, and they were one of the major contributors towards the kids' track. And this year, the the uh, workshop that Rick was just talking about, the mini-preneurs, mm. is what Beck will be running there. Perfect. Um, I couldn't think of a better person to be yeah, running that. Absolutely. We're, we're really looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah there's, there's actually three of them from Code the Future, I think. There's uh, there's Mel uh, and Will as well. Um, and so they'll be they'll be facilitating a lot of things, not just the coding, but also the designing, the the inception process. Um, so so learning a lot about the the importance of that that stuff startup and innovation culture that's so great about Melbourne uh, from some, some real industry leaders. So jumping a bit away from just the kids track, uh, I was pretty excited to see that you're going to have Dr. Paris uh, Butfield-Addison, who people might know from being behind some award-winning ABC Play Score uh, iPad games, uh, the Qantas Joey Play Box. He's a really playful sort of fellow to follow on Twitter. And, uh, <laughs> you know, how, how did you uh, cross over with him? Well, he uh, actually he wanted to come to BuzzConf. He, he asked us if he could come and, and do a, uh, a workshop there. And uh, uh, in fact, I think I think in our call for our call for presenters every year is is a really great way to meet new people. And I think I think Paris actually submitted three or four different things. He's always got so much going on, and they're all really exciting. It was very difficult to to, to allocate just one slot to him, to be honest. Um, but he's running a workshop uh, to help uh, to, to allow people to build virtual reality games, computer games. So. Fantastic. 
everyone will be getting uh, a little Google Cardboard uh, and then spend a couple of hours going through that process of creating uh, creating a game and, and you get to, to take that away with you and the, and the cardboard at the end of the day as well. So it's something to keep in, in most of our workshops. I mean, this is the something I've been looking... Look, look, blah, 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 I'll start again. I've just been looking through some of the people that you've got on here and some just words that are popping out. I'm trying not to read it and just look at it. And I'm just seeing so much things that are like, interesting, like about gaming, VR, Internet of Things, 3D printing, like using like, the actual hardware and technology. Sort of, it's, there's all sorts on here for pretty much anyone that uses anything. There's, there's something here for them, really. Absolutely. So we, we've always tried to concentrate on the broader spectrum of technology, not specifically uh, development or, or any of the mm. more traditional conference topics that you have, um, but everything from from space exploration to uh, how you can use blockchain technology and even looking at uh, gamification of uh, augmented reality. Right. Yeah, yeah we, we try to keep the, the ratio of presenters to, uh, to participants uh, really good as well. So um, we, we want to make sure that, that everyone stays for the weekend. Last, last year, I think we had 19 presenters. Uh, 17 of those arrived on the Friday and left on the Sunday. So, so you get really good one-on-one time with, with these people. And, and what's really great is because you have so many different technologies, uh, they kind of merge really well. Uh, last year, we had someone who came to do a presentation on, on machine learning and artificial intelligence and someone that came to do a presentation on robotics and before the end of the first day they built an autonomous self-driving robot Amazing. Uh, and then was able to present on this and then for the rest of the weekend you get to, to talk to these people to hack on hack on their ideas to, to share your own ideas and, and, and really innovate and have a lot of fun. So the future of work is one of those really hot issues that's coming up at conferences all the time. And I guess when I, when I think about your uh, festival, it really uh, challenges some of those ideas about how we might be working because you've created a space that a whole family can be in and that people can generate ideas really quickly. How do you guys think about the future of work? And, you know, are you excited by the possibilities or, do, you know, does it, are you a bit jaded already? Yes. Yes, I'm both excited. <laughs> Angie. Yes. Uh, the, there is a lot of conversation. We had uh, Rick Meesham from uh, Astute Payroll, who are a, a big supporter of BuzzConf this year. He spoke at the most recent BuzzConf night, so we run monthly events as well. Uh, and he spoke about the future of work there. And basically, the, the, the question to is, is my job secure is pretty much a no. Um, there's very few jobs that in 50 years' time will still be around. And there's going to have to be a lot of um, government input and, and planning put into how automation and robots are going to change the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any one right uh, concise answer for right now. morphing and changing because the, the speed of technologies is... Yeah. gone so fast in the last few years that we didn't you know there was mm. the industrial revolution and then mm. you know it's all automotive industry and it all slowly that took like 20 years right this took four uh, yeah i know right <laughs> and boom and uh, i mean as soon as you said that it made me think about education like well, mm. the way that we're actually taught is isn't isn't the right way anymore it doesn't it doesn't work in the yeah. today's society and continuous learning has been important for so yeah. long now but the way that we access that you know it's not about the really expensive post-grad degree anymore I get excited when I hear about your festival because I think of those those incidental learning opportunities and they're really it seems to be just organically designed so that it will appeal to a whole range of learning styles because you can touch you can talk mm-hmm. you can look you can you know participate or, or stand back and observe mm-hmm. as, as much as you like and that's that's really clever I mean how much of this is by design 
I, I think um, we we had a really good idea of of what we wanted to do uh, a couple of years ago when we when we first came up with the idea, uh, and we wanted to to have that space where people can be creative, and that's one of the reasons that we have it outside of the city because when you take away those four walls, when you you step outside of that conference centre, uh, it really does open up your minds to to different applications of technology. You're no longer thinking about how can I use this in my job. You're thinking about how can I use this to have fun with the the family sitting next to me. Or, or you, you, you really, you really open up those possibilities. It's kind of technology is going so many different ways. I'm kind of with Google, kind of brought the world together because everyone could search the world, and then now they're starting to, with the latest update, change it down to being more uh, looking local. And then as it kind of contradicts what it was supposed to do in the first place. But then the way that we're doing it now is that um, I've completely lost my train of thought. Is, um, <laughs> What is going on with the sugar hits? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah, that sort of way of, of doing things is kind of changing, and it's so nice that you can learn things with your family. And imagine being a seven-year-old that can you don't have to be sat at your desk at school writing on a piece of paper. You can be sat in a field making a robot with yeah. your parents. And, and imagine watching your parents getting excited about doing stuff, that building a robot. Like yeah. most people in today's society think, you know, putting something together like Lego or Meccano, that, that's mm. kids' play. But if you see parents getting excited about this, it's a great way of learning through osmosis that this is actually fun. Yeah. 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 And I think as well, you've, you've, got, you've had such a rise of the maker and the hacker communities in, in recent years. Uh, and a lot of that is because this stuff is so much more accessible. The, the components that we're using and the places that we can go to, to hack and build, um, they're just everywhere now. They're, they're much more accessible. So you even get uh, parents and children doing things for the first time together. It might be that uh, when... Uh, uh, when a parent goes fishing for the first time with a child, that, that's something that they've been doing uh, for generations. But but how many people can say that the, the first robot they built was both both the adult and the child did it together? Yeah. So when we we think about this environment, I I wonder, um, you know, you've got the traditional workshops and things, and you've talked about how much fun things are and, and the building and getting your hands on. Um, is there a lot of exploration about solving important problems and, and where these kind of practical grassroots skills play out in a more sophisticated way? Sure. There's, um, there's a lot of conversation that happens. So as Rick said at the beginning of the segment, mm. uh, you go to a traditional conference and you're in a room and information is imparted on you. And the best part is the, the hallway track, the 45 minutes at lunch where you actually get to talk to people. BuzzConf is that all weekend. Mm. So there are the talks, there are the workshops. But outside of that, which isn't just during lunch, it's all evening and even between the sessions, people are inspired by what they've heard, what mm. they've learned, what they've gotten their hands on, what they've played with, to think about the future, the implications of the future. Um, so rather than just you know people talking about how you know VR is exciting and it's different experience to anything they've had before, you know in your experience of BuzzConf's past, uh, what sort of issues are people bringing to the table uh, that they? curious about maybe solving so there's one okay, I, was, I was going to talk about one particular talk that's coming up mm. um, uh, there's a woman called Lily Ryan who's talking about the uh, the Rage Against the Ghost in the Machine is the name of the talk title this is hands down my favourite talk <laughs> it's, it's a great title <laughs> I know, right? 
So the idea is that we already have researchers looking at how in artificial intelligences can learn about you from your digital footprint on the internet. So if they can learn about you, can they become you? And if they become you, then can they replace you? And what happens if you lose your autonomy? Because we all operate in a digital world now. We, we do online banking. We talk to the ATO online. There's no reason why a sufficiently advanced artificial intelligence who knows everything about you can't Google. be you. Yep. So can it then shut you out of your own life? Um, I mean, that, that's, and, that's and not and the angle she's going down yeah, with yeah, the talk. And on the optimistic but. side, can it do all the boring stuff I don't want to do? Well, like, you know, I would like to clone myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I could clone myself and brainstorm with myself and get my other self to do all the boring shit, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we've uh, we're probably all Black Mirror fans here, and if you if you haven't explored Charlie Brooker's crazy crazy world, um, be a good idea to to get out there and, and explore yeah. it. He really engages with these ideas very well. If your left brain could talk to your right brain, how cool would that be? Yeah, yeah. and right. you'd then start to figure out which way you're thinking and how you understand. Yeah. You better understand yourself, right? But but if you create a, a separate consciousness, you know, does it become a slave consciousness? And you know, are you actually torturing yourself? Well, if you see multiplicity, then you kind of start working together as a team eventually. <laughs> well, because we're Triple R, I don't feel like we can get by without actually asking you about the live music every night and what goes on after official hours. Well, it's always uh, a, a lot of fun to see uh, how many people want to want to kick back and have a few beers and, and uh, sit around the campfire and how many people want to, to get up and dance around. But uh, the music goes on pretty much all day and the bands come out uh, uh, around dinner time. And we've got, we've got a real mixture. We've got um, the Experimentals who came out last year and they, they play some, some great uh, Aussie, Aussie rock covers and, and get people tapping their toes over dinner. And then we've got uh, some, some more uh, electronic music and some DJs playing late into the night. And uh, certainly we were going on very 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 late last year and I'm sure we will be doing the same again this year we've got a repeat visitor as a, one of our sponsors as well Tank Collective uh, are coming back as a sponsor this year they sponsored right. the last year as well uh, yeah. which is fantastic but one of the things they're doing this time is they've got a cabin to themselves so if you're if you want some, somewhere a bit quieter to go and still socialise but you don't want to be right in front of the stage with the loud music they're going to have like a little party den that's going to be a bit further removed so we've got a couple of different zones as well for that's what we expect from you you're, you're very flexible with your <laughs> options there you know what though I reckon the music in their place will probably be louder than, than the, the main stage so oh, Maybe I, I've partied with those a lot before. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us the logistics of your festival. Where is it happening? When's it happening? And how can people get tickets? So it's taking place in Balan. It's uh, about an hour outside of Melbourne towards Ballarat. Uh, to get tickets, buzzconf.io is the website. And there's a register button there. In terms of logistics of getting there, so obviously it's a campsite. You can turn up in your car and set up your tent. Uh, if you want to use public transport, which we encourage, it's a socially good thing to do. Uh, there's a, a train station not far away, Balan Station. Yeah, it's there's a V-line out there, isn't it? There is, yeah. Convenient. So it's direct from Southern Cross. Mm. Uh, and we're going to be running a shuttle bus from the station to the the venue itself. So you can get there without even having to like hire an Uber. I don't even know if they have Uber in, in Balan. <laughs> Possibly they've got two. Um, <laughs> Once you've arrived there, there's plenty of space to set up camping. We've got different zones if you want to be nearer the, 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 the activity or further away if you've got kids or you just want a quiet zone. Uh, if you don't have camping equipment, there are dorm options uh, that, that you can uh, grab through the registration system. Or we've even got glamping options. There's a, a five-meter bell tent with a, a bed all made up for you, so you just arrive and kick back. So whatever level you want to, to engage at in terms of the registration, the accommodation, uh, we should have something to cover you. Excellent. Right. Thanks so much for telling us about BuzzConf coming up in November. Those dates again? 
I've gone quiet because I'm actually reading. It's uh, uh, the great, <laughs> the last weekend of November, the 25th to the 27th. And uh, for anyone that's listening tonight, if they want to use the discount code Bite Into It, they will get a fifty dollar cash back on their registration. Oh, that's very Thank generous. You. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in and telling us about your festival. It sounds absolutely incredible. Thanks for having us. Now, James, you were you were musing over a lot of things after that interview. Yeah, I finally remembered what it was. And <laughs> I tried to say it again, and I forgot it again. But um, what I was just thinking about the the Google Places and the uh, the way that the sort of things, everything was about all together, and then it came. Now it's gone sort of singular, and you're in your in entire environment again. Like if you're in, if you're searching Google now, you get local. You don't get global anymore. Mm. Like you kind of do, but not really. You got to be. It's, Forced, um, and, and maybe you maybe also game experiences have yeah, changed a fair bit as I've well. I've changed a fair bit. Like, and you have like things like Call of Duty. I'm, I don't. I've, I've, I know I don't play games anymore because if I did, mm. I'm in well, trouble. I'll never leave. Well, for a long time, you know, you played games by yourself, and then you could yeah. play them with a the team. But now you or can is it watch. Two player, or it used to be two player or yeah. four player, and but now you can watch other people like twining, uh, t- uh, twitching their games. Sorry. Well, yeah. I've, I've been uh, when I was in uh, Bangkok a couple of years ago. They had the World Championship of a game, and there was thousands of people watching screens, watching people playing games. Yeah, esports. That. That's something I have trouble getting on board with. Does that mean you're an athlete if you're in a sport? Oh, not <laughs> e-sports. I, I'd rather watch baseball. I like yeah. baseball. But I was just thinking with new technology, it's it, you know, your phone, you may be interacting with people, but you're not. Like We could be sat mm. in a room or having dinner uh, having dinner together and you're not communicating with the person in front of you. You're looking, talking to someone else being social, which is... You know, an oxymoron. <laughs> um, but I was thinking it was more of it. What is happening slowly, so with VR and uh, AR, and that we're starting to be share things live together. Like I mentioned in the ad break, I think I owe you guys a drink. So what happens if you talk about uh, news when when you're not on, on air? Um, was it like the McCann uh, experiment with NASA with the with the bus we've talked about before, where they did the uh, they turned the, all the screen, all the glass into uh, LED clear screens yeah. so it looked like they were, and then all those 50 kids got to um, have the same experience together and see each other rather than having a something on their face that they couldn't see other people? Yeah, for for a long time we've had um, conversations about the isolationist aspects of technology mm. but I don't think that many of them were by design, they were by technical limitations yeah. and now that we're getting much more sophisticated input and output mechanisms with our technology, mm. with our hardware mm. the options that we're seeing and particularly we're seeing artists explore those yeah. options in interesting ways um, someone who we didn't actually mention in the last interview but who is going to be at Buzz Conference is Stephanie Andrews and she's fascinating to me because she works at the intersection of art and technology and she's one of those people who has great ideas about how we can use you know the emerging technologies in different ways to make us feel something or think something or realize mm. you know in different ways and and that's just that's just epic yeah. to me that's a game changer I, I mean it, it's that just you saying that as well and what we've been talking about reminds me of uh, a friend of my uh, friend of mine uh, Henry Cowling that lives and um, works in London has started loves music mm. he's VR specialist he's creating this project where um, the first one is a pianist in the middle of the room that plays the mu- there's a live performance but you put VR headsets on and then you see everything being sort of do you remember you get live you get the old um, win amp it really yeah. keeps the love of that so, um, it's the they had uh, they'd have the um, 
the music, the visual of the equalizer would be turned into an art piece of art that would be moving and interacting with the music. He's doing that where it's actually creating like a 3D model of the person sitting in front of you with the beams of light and, and you actually get the music plays what you see. And it's a beautiful thing. That you, everything's starting to become more shared. Like the people are sitting in a circle. The, the person is actually sat there, but then you're seeing them through a different set of glasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like some artists really try and do that anyway. When you when you go and see um, you know some prepared piano or something uh, with the mm. Hauschka and... It's so much of the show is, you know, the sounds there, but they want to give you a matching visual. And so mm. they're setting up cameras to, to give you different angles on, you know, the prepared piano or something so yeah. you can see things going on. But when you look at, uh, say, VJing, like a group like the Fuck Buttons or what have you, you know, they're always, they've got these great sort of animations and things, but mm. we're starting to get into this area where we've got the processing power to have so much more real-time generated mm. interesting visuals that might be another commentary on the live performance that's yeah. a great space yeah and you said in New Zealand uh, it was a year or two ago when they started using that where they, the DJ was playing live and this all the pattern would be on the wall behind him and it would in, interact and create music and video happening all as it was happening like so was, you, you could change it based on what the, the mu- music was being played and and when you look at that the other way where you have people who've done analyses of music and and looked for patterns that way you could almost get you know, you could easily get to a space where people are programming in a visual way or in an oral way instead mm. of in a in an another way. Yeah, like it's um, just the uh, the potential for people with synesthesia to um, kind of use their talents in really interesting ways. And you use different different ways of learning to be able to get this to do something if you're not very good at reading music and you just can't get it and figure it out there's that now technology is changing the way that you can try and create that music by using your hands in a different way to or you know the way that you think can be worked you know like i'm you know partially dyslexic and always have been and i just it's just because i'm wired differently i I just can't learn i have to see it to know if you tell me i'll forget if i see it i'll remember yeah the idea of displaying things or or projecting the sound of things as a different way of analysing them is really Mm. powerful. I remember reading a lot about how Richard Feynman approached problem solving and he talked about, he described really well the idea of building a mental model and moving it around in his head and testing it because if he can see it, he could see, you know, where the flaws were or where something was weaker or where Mm. there might be a vulnerability or or a reason why something didn't work because the mental model he's he's building as he describes the problem, you know, might have a gap and he's like, well, we haven't observed everything. This doesn't make sense, this model. So if if we could do the same thing for for other sorts of problems, you know, if we Mm. express it as as a tune and, you know, the dissonance is where the bug is, that's amazing. Yeah, then they're trying to do it in movies all the time. You see like Iron Man when he's like, a hard drive like technology IA and it's yeah. looking like a 3D morph thing in the middle of that's actually starting to become a way of being able to look through things like that's quite amazing it is amazing so I've got something that's a fraction more tangible than that and I think we, I think we need to it bring ourselves down <laughs> <laughs> Jarvis is nearly tangible um, well. but there's, there's a world first from Deakin University uh, which is they've made some progress with haptic feedback for surgery applications. So what haptic feedback is, is when you're using like some sort of virtual uh, control of a robot, for example, but you want to be able to get feedback from what you're virtually touching because that sort of sensory information can be very important. You can imagine, particularly if you're a surgeon, the feeling of different types of tissues or, mm. or you know, instruments that you're using, the sensitivity, that, that feedback is, is really important. 
Um, it's physical feedback, basically. So that's right. Actually, if you, it's something you're pushing against, so that you can actually feel it rather than just the device that you're using. Yeah. Yes. So they've created what's called the Hero Surge robot. Um, which, uh, so current technology, they say, limits robotic surgery to the sense of sight. And so that means laparoscopic or keyhole microsurgery um, using haptic feedback, so as well as sight, but also having this sensory perception mm. could be a lot safer and more accurate um, and, you know, therefore help reduce the amount of trauma of surgery and lower the risk of things like blood loss and infection, um, yeah. those, those sort of things that so you... imagine you get a camera down your throat that mm. you, they will be able to feel that it's pushing against one side rather than just trying to force it in there. Yeah. Sounds silly, but that means that then they know that it's right or wrong and it's not just a visual interpretation through an X-ray or a, or a, vis- a, a you know, MRI scan that, that's happening at the same time for them to be able to see. Mm. So it adds another sense, basically. So the more senses that you can have to interact with something, the easier it is to interact with. Well, one of the things that they're describing, which is which I had no idea, is that um, the 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 touch of tissues which have cancer compared to normal tissues, they feel different. And mm. so there's a there's a benefit. Tissue, yeah, right? there's a benefit in feeling that difference, you know, for a surgeon. And you just go, wow, I can see how this would be really helpful. Uh, so you know, they haven't it's done this alone. Reaching into into your bag as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just for a regular, <laughs> just for a regular application. A yeah, yeah. yeah, so this technology was created in the lab at Deakin's campus in Geelong. Um, they've collaborated with experts from uh, the School of Medicine at Deakin and they've also been working with uh, some people from Harvard and uh, the... That's, so it's, yeah, Deakin's Institute for Intelligent Systems Research and Innovation, Deakin School of Medicine and Harvard University. Uh, and they've unveiled these these results at the uh, Australasian Simulation Congress. Great. That sounds like one of those old school conferences that we've been <laughs> maybe disparaging a little bit. Uh, for something this technical, sounds just about right. I mean, talking about things like that, it reminds me of the... Uh, so everyone's not talking about driverless cars. And oh, no, you're not going to be behind the wheel anymore. But what it actually means is that people that have disabilities gives them ability to be able to be mobile. So you've got people who can't see can still own a car. People who can't don't, you know, uh, uh, um, have other sort of maybe physical disabilities. Or you basically, people can get, it makes people more mobile through technology. They don't even realise it. Absolutely. Just, it's just, it's endless, but the, the ideas. And if you were a bit tempted by BuzzConf, but you don't know if you're ready to commit to the festival yet, you might want to hear about this. Yes, they're, uh, they're holding a um, talks from the festival presenters uh, tomorrow night, which is the 20th of October, at the Savoy Tavern in Melbourne. Um, so it'll be, it'll bring you a sneak peek or preview of what the amazing sessions to expect over that festival weekend. So if you're interested, then I would definitely say get down there for a pint. Excellent. And other events, there is a 14-hour startup happening, uh, organised by Melbourne's Silicon Beach. It's happening on Saturday, October the 22nd from 9am Saturday to 4pm Sunday and it's hosted at Collective Campus. Now, if you want a 20% discount, you can use the code MSB14HOUR, like H-O-U-R. Um, it is a startup boot camp where you can learn all about what it's like to uh, be in a bit of a 14-hour pressure cooker to develop your initial business model, mm-hmm. um, have your assumptions challenged, you know, learn how to pitch, um, figure out, you know, what your value 
proposition is, do some virtual prototyping. There's a whole lot of other things there. But it's, it's a really compressed way to, to learn a lot about that system and, and uh, co-work with some new people. Mm. Uh, another event happening uh, this coming Monday is Code and Collaborate at Collective Campus, and I love the alliteration there. <laughs> um, the meetup is a casual coding session to work <laughs> on freecodecamp.com. Uh, there'll be questions to ask and helping each other out uh, about learning to code, chatting about learning to code. Uh, the form It's an informal session. Uh, it's a bit of a study group. You can work on your free code camp curriculum, uh, and there's a short segment dedicated to five-minute talks, so lightning talks, uh, from members about a range of coding topics, and we'll uh, tweet out a link to that one. Uh, there's also, on the 29th of October, uh, 5.30 till 8 o'clock, is She Makes Games uh, Play Party. So this is being hosted by the Girl Geek Academy, uh, and it's on at... Uh, the uh, fine folk at Acme X. Uh, some of my friends, which are, uh, it's an awesome space. Um, it's great, yeah. Oh, it's such a nice space to, yeah. to work in, and uh, some really good people in there as well that you might be able to rub shoulders with. Um, it's a, a hashtag she makes underscore games. Um, it's the second time over this um, with a little twist. Uh, I'm trying to read through these bits and pieces. Um, it's a game-read development community to come along with play games, drink, and meet with some amazing women interested in the world interested in the world of gaming development. Uh, there's going to be drinks, snacks um, from 5:30, um, some brew, uh, some dr- sorry, can I say booze? It's right, right, yeah, yeah, right <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, by um, uh, Kaju Beer. Uh, partners are to be announced, and there's uh, some free games for developers, um, game, dev, game Dev Pal, and networking tickets. So, I'm looking who's there. There's the Gardens in between, Intergalactic Space, Princess, Ninja Pizza Girl, Putty Pals, Shooting Shooty Skies, and Crossroad. So, let's, uh, if you want any more information, then speak to Lissy, L-I-S-Y, at geekgirlacademy.com. Girlgeekacademy.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, it's been uh, an excellent evening. We have one more quick uh, event, which is an Engineering and Technology 2020 Insights and Opportunities uh, Chat at Engineers Australia. It's happening on the 3rd of November from 5.30 to 7.30. And it's all about... um, hearing from a keynote speaker, Mark McCrindle, on demographic trends as they relate to the engineering and technology sectors. So if you're interested in the future of Eng and tech, something to get along to. Thanks for tuning in this evening. A big thank you to our guests, Rick and Ben. Excellent to hear back from them. It seems to be um, an annual thing and it's great to see a little Australian technology festival growing and growing. Um, Thanks, James, for your company. Thank you, Dan. uh, And thank you to all our kind listeners out there. Good night and do stay tuned to Anthony Carew with the International Pop Underground. Up next. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.